<laughs> good morning and happy Mother's Day. It is good to be together and to honor mothers on this very special day. And, uh, and I have a special treat for me today because my mom is here. And uh, so if my mom would stand up. Go ahead and stand up, Mom. That's my mom, Carol, and, uh, and she doesn't know this, but I'm taking a little uh, senior pastor prerogative here today because not only is it Mother's Day today, but it was my mother's birthday yesterday. So I'm going to ask you all to join me in singing happy birthday to my mom. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Carol. Happy birthday to you. Love you, Mom. <laughs> yeah, she's a pretty special lady, and uh, very glad to have you in my life, very glad for life for which I wouldn't be here without you. So thank you, Mom. Um, the gift of motherhood, the gift of mothering, that's another term for this Sunday is Mothering Sunday, and I think it's important to recognize both, the gift of mothers and the gift of mothering that comes to us through so many different channels, those who have cared for us, who have nurtured us, who have encouraged us, who have protected us. Those are all gifts from God. Mothers are instruments of God's tender mercy and his strong grace. Those are gifts that come to us through Mothers, And I think of the image in the Bible of, of a mother hen taking care of her chicks underneath her wings. That's one of the visuals and metaphors that we have for God himself. So God comes to us in that way and is expressed to us in the love that we have received in our lives and the love that we show others, which is that gift of mothering. It is a powerful sign of God's grace in our lives. And grace is the theme that we have been working on over the last several weeks in our current sermon series, grace in every corner. And that's because grace is not only who we are, it is who we are becoming, and it is what we hope to see in every corner of our community. That's a vision statement that I presented to the congregation about a year ago, kind of let it lie there, and then brought it back out again this year as we move into this next stage of life, this next place in history that God is calling us to be his people as a congregation, and it's a vision to see grace in every corner of our community. Now, some folks have been asking me a question related to that, saying, Pastor Darren, we, we've been hearing this new vision statement, but is this like replacing our mission statement or something? Just kind of curious how that all works. And I want to tell you, no, it's not. It's not. We have mission, we have values, and we have a vision here, and they all work together. Let me quickly explain how. We have a mission statement here. That mission statement is to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Very simple, very straightforward. In fact, it should be the mission statement of every church because that is God's mission in the world, and in that mission, he has a church. He has this church to fulfill that mission, and that mission is about where we are going. Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew 28, go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the great commission, and it's a commission that starts with that word go. And it means that as we are going, we are supposed to do this work that God has called us into. That's where we're going. That's 
our mission. But that mission is, is backed up by values. And we have five values that we talk about here at Community of Grace. They're listed on the wall, and a few times we've repeated them, and it's good to just be reminded of them again today, our five core values. Let's start by reading them off from the, my right, uh, your left off on the far side over there. Our first value is Jesus makes us family. Second is deep roots make good fruit. Third is love pours out. Fourth is invite first and next steps with Jesus. And finally, our fifth is be the church in the world. Those are our values. And what do those values do? Well, those values are how we get to our mission. If the mission is where we're going, then the values are how we get there. This is the way that we treat one another, the way that we love and appreciate one another. That's what our values do for us. They remind us of what it is that God teaches us in his word, of how we are to live this life of grace for one another and with one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. So those are our values. Mission, where we are going. Values, how we get there. So what is a vision? Vision is what it will look like when we arrive. That's what it looks like when we arrive. If we are following in the mission that God has for us, if we are living out the values that he has put into us, then as we move towards that mission, we should start to see something. And what we start to see is grace in every corner of our community. And that's what we're opening our eyes to see right now. We're being reminded of the fact that God's grace goes ahead of us. His grace is at work in the world around us, in the lives of people who we meet in our homes, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, at the shopping mall, at the grocery store, wherever it is that you go, God is ahead of us, showing his grace, working his grace. And it's our job to bear witness to that grace, to see it and to point it out in people's lives and say, ah, that looks like something that God is up to in your life. That's what it means to see grace, to then speak about it and plant seeds of God's word so that that grace grows in each person's life, all to the glory of God. Now, will we see this come to conclusion? Well, not in our lifetime, unless and until Jesus returns. Because the mission won't be complete and the vision won't be complete until Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom. But in the meantime, we have a part to play. We look for signs of his grace and we join him in it. That is the work of loving our neighbors as we love God. Now, as we've been talking over these last several weeks, we've been talking in particular about how we congregationally together look to manifest this kind of grace and this kind of love and this kind of service in our community. And we talk about that with what we call the four H's. The four H's. The four H's are home, hood, Haiti, and here. Those are the four H's. And we've been describing and sharing a little bit about what has been happening in each of those arenas. Project Home that we serve and that we love and partner with here in St. Paul to help homeless people discover a, a new way to be able to get life on track and giving them a, a hand up into that new life as a family. It's a great ministry, something I'm just so proud of our church to be partnering with in Project Home. And then we talked about things going on in the hood, our neighborhood, right here in White Bear Lake, like the White Bear Lake area community food shelf, where we also support and then encourage others in our community to support as well. It's a gift to us and a partnership that we have that's gone on for many years. And there are other ways that we just see God's grace at work in our neighborhood, and we look to foster that work together as community of grace, as a congregation. 
And last week, of course, we talked a lot about Haiti. And congratulations, well done, Community of Grace. Once again, you exceeded the goal by over $4,000 because, you know, you folks just don't know when to quit being generous. You know, I just, what a problem to have. Thank you for your generosity, and thank you for continuing to, to foster that partnership with Haiti. And next week, we're going to talk about the fourth H, which is here, which means what on earth is Pastor Darren going to talk about today? Well, he's introducing a fifth H. Yep, I don't know if it's going to stick. I don't know if it's going to hang around, but this is the way that it works. You put it out there, and you see what happens. We sow a little seed. And today's H is household. Household. On this Mother's Day, our thoughts go to households. And household isn't just a made-up word. Household is a, is a word that we find in the scriptures. In the Greek, that word is oikos, and it shows up in a number of places in the New Testament. And it describes a household, a community within your household that includes all of the extended family. And back in its time, it included the servants and the animals and everything else. Probably the closest expression that we can think of today is more like a farmstead. Now, most, most of us weren't raised on a farm, but if those of you who were are familiar with a farm, you know that the farmstead includes everybody who's there. It includes the animals and the kids and the grandkids and, and aunts and uncles who may come to work there, the, the hired hands who are there as a part of working on that. They're all considered part of the grand household. And households take a lot of work to maintain, don't they? To build and to invest into. Households are a, are a sacred trust that is given to us. It's an extended family unit, and it's a primary area of ministry for many of us. Many of you find that being the first place where you put your focus in raising up the next generation and encouraging one another and teaching one another and serving and caring for one another. It takes place and starts in the household. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful place to see God's grace at work. And Jesus gives us a glimpse of how grace works in that particular arena. And he shares it with us from his word in the gospel according to St. Matthew. If you'd like to turn there with me today, you can. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 31. Jesus is teaching, he's teaching his disciples, and as he's teaching his disciples, he uses something called parables, which are made-up stories that are meant to introduce key themes of God's truth to us. And this one starts at verse 31. Just listen along as I read. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Hidden things, small things, small things. A seed, a mustard seed, this tiniest of seeds buried and hidden in the dirt. Yeast, a tiny little spore that is mixed in with 60 pounds of flour and ultimately 
kneads into the dough until it's incorporated in all of it. We see the metaphors. We've maybe experienced the metaphors. I don't know how many of you are bakers or how many of you just enjoy somebody else's baked goods. I'm in the latter category there for sure. But you know that what you put into the dough matters. And sometimes just little things can make a huge difference. One of my favorite times of year growing up was around Christmas season because my mom made a lot of cookies. She made a lot of different Christmas cookies. And most of them were Norwegian in orientation. Things like krumkaka. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The number of Saturday mornings that I used to sneak into our storage pantry when mom and dad were still asleep and get stacks of them so I could go downstairs and watch Saturday morning cartoons. They never knew. <laughs> but krumkaka and sandbuckles. Little, little cupcake-looking like cookies that were so delicious. And then, and then one of my favorites, Berliner Kranze. Berliner Kranze. It's Berlin crisp, Berlin cookies. And they were little, looked like little wreaths. But there was an ingredient in those cookies in particular that made all the difference. And the ingredient was cardamom. Any of you who know and enjoy cardamom know it doesn't take much. Just a little bit. But a little bit makes all the difference. And you can smell it and you can taste it. And, and, and it just it makes it a savory, wonderful cookie. Just something that was so delicious. Just something that tiny can make that huge of a difference. That's because small things make a big difference. Small things make a big difference. And the work of maintaining and managing and working in a household is often not big, flashy things. It's a lot of little things. Small things. Tiny things. Things that often go unnoticed or are even hidden. As a matter of fact, the word that's used in this passage in Matthew where it says mixed into the dough, actually a better translation of that word mixed in is hidden. The Greek word there comes from the Greek word krypto, kryptos, which means to, to, to hide something, like where we get cryptography from. It's hidden. It's something that's hidden in the dough. And we know that that's how it works because once the yeast goes into the dough, you don't see it again, do you? You can't look at the dough and pick out where the yeast is. It's gone. It's invisible. It's hidden like so much of the work within the household. It's tiny little things. But it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Because once it's worked into that dough and once that dough is left to rest, now you start to see the effect of what that yeast does. Makes the dough start to rise. Once it's risen, it then goes into the oven and it's baked and it becomes something delicious that everybody gets to enjoy. That's the way things work in the kingdom. That's the way grace is meant to work in people's lives. It's small things, little things, tiny things. And the work of managing a household and especially the work of raising children in a household well, it's often small things, things that go unnoticed by the average person, things that don't get you on the front page of the newspaper, things that don't show up on, on, on some television show, but, but they are the important, essential things that make up God's grace at work in our world. The small work of parenting the work of raising children is often a hidden work of small things. 
but nothing is invisible to God. God knows the work that you've been doing, mom and dad. God knows the work that you've been doing, grandma and grandpa, trying to instill things into the lives of those young people who you love. And that work is ongoing. It never really entirely ends. You keep investing. You keep putting small things in there in the hope that someday those things will mature and grow and become something beautiful. That's the way God's kingdom works. But there's another side to the story. There's another side to the story that Jesus himself addresses in Luke chapter 12, another aspect of yeast. And this one isn't quite as pretty. In Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, it says this, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ears in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. The yeast of the Pharisees, more small things. But do you see how Jesus also talks about things that are hidden there? Things that are hidden, small, tiny little things that over time begin to manifest. They begin to show up. And here's the thing. Every parent lives in fear of the things that they put that aren't healthy into their kids. And every parent, to some degree or another, recognizes that they're not perfect. But here's the thing about this particular kind of yeast. It's really insidious. And it works on us, and it works in our households, and it works on parents by having us think things like this. I'm a good enough person to be a sufficient enough parent to raise good enough kids who will be perfectly self-sufficient someday. And the problem is self-sufficiency is not what we're called to be, let alone instill in others. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Is it a good thing when your kids can go to the bathroom by themselves? Yay! Is it great when they learn to tie their own shoes after you've shown them a bunch of times and they go, no, Mom, I can do it? Of course that's good. We want our children to grow in competence. We want them to grow in some levels of of independence. But in the end, the goal is not self-sufficiency. That's not the goal. Because there's a truth that we must all understand. And that is that you are a big sinner raising little sinners. (laughs) This is the truth, okay? Now, we all know this. On some level, we know this. We know that we're not perfect. But this this yeast of the Pharisees is a tendency for us to want to hide all of that, to pretend that our family's perfect, to pretend that everything's good, that all that we're doing is good, and we just hope that our kids will all be above average. Think about that for a minute. It's a lie, it's not real. 
And the more we buy into that idea, the more we tend to hide our own brokenness. The more we tend to try to shield our children from every fault and failure, and more importantly, then we try to protect them from anything that could possibly harm them in the world. We want to protect them and prepare them so that they can be perfectly self-sufficient in the world out there. Oh my gosh, parents, the level of pressure that we put on ourselves. That is not what God intends. And if ever there has been a year when we've seen all the cracks in that craziness, it's this last year, isn't it? All the kids who were home with you from school, you saw Sally Sunflower trying to make it all work when she dropped her kid off at school, but no, now school is in your living room. And the pressure mounts for you to want everything to be perfect for your kids. To want all their social life to to still go on as, as much as normal, but they can't go and visit or see anybody. You want to protect them from the, from the anger and the, and the violence and the things that, that we are seeing in our broken society. And you can't. You can't. Because the truth is, you're a big sinner raising little sinners in a sinful world. And it is not your job to try and instill into your children the idea that somehow they will have in and of themselves everything they need to conquer life. Because it's not true. You know it and I know it. We know it about ourselves. We are not meant to be self-sufficient friends, we are meant to be grace sufficient. That's the call of God, to be grace sufficient. And that's the goal of parenting. It's teaching your kids to be grace sufficient, not self-sufficient. How do you teach your kids to be grace sufficient? Well, we've got a story that we can look at. It's, It's from the Apostle Paul. It's in 2 Corinthians, where where Paul is describing the challenge that that he is facing as a leader, and and he's he's trying to to talk about the things that he has lived through in life and the revelations from God and all the things that that God has done with him and for him and through him, And, and then he hits a spot where he has to say, yeah, but here's the deal. I've had this thorn in my flesh. We have no idea what Paul is talking about. We don't specifically know what this thorn in his flesh is. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He doesn't identify it specifically, but whatever it is, it's something that is really bothering Paul, and it's something that Paul would rather have God just fix. Just fix it, God. Just take care of it. Just get rid of it so that I can just move on in in all it is that you've got for me. And the way that Jesus responds to Paul is the way that Jesus responds to you. And the way that we are called to respond to each other in our households. And it starts in verse 9 when he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We don't like talking about our weaknesses. We don't like the idea that, that, that we need forgiveness as much as the next person And as a result, we hide and we conceal. 
our brokenness and our sinfulness from one another. And we try to clean ourselves up, especially before we take our household and then bring our household into a, a mix of a bunch of other households because Jesus makes us family and here we all are and make sure our family looks good. But fan, friends, this family is supposed to be the family where it's safe enough to express God's grace to receive his grace, to acknowledge that, hey, I don't have it all together. The last thing I want to be is self-sufficient. I need God's grace to be sufficient, and it is. This is what we want to instill into our families and into our households, but before it can get there, it needs to be instilled into you. Before you can sow seeds of this grace every place else, you need to be a recipient of that grace. And that's my hope and prayer for you today, is that as we're here in this moment on this Mother's Day, celebrating all the wonderful gifts and things that mothers have done for us, we also acknowledge that our mothers aren't perfect. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> but their perfection isn't the goal. Because one of the things that I am very grateful for is from very early on, my mom used to acknowledge the fact that she wasn't perfect. And I saw that. And I saw that as a sign of God's grace at work. And it gave me the freedom to not be perfect either. To acknowledge that, that we all need forgiveness. We all need grace. And the greatest thing that we can teach one another and show to one another and express to one another is God's grace. And it starts in our households. It starts in those little things, those small things, that yeast, that seed, the hidden things that you do, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, those hidden small things, they make a world of difference especially when they're sown in grace and love. I used to say that, that my goal in life as a parent is not to be needed anymore. I've kind of changed my tune over the years. Because the day that, that I don't need my Heavenly Father and say, well, you know what, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm fine, I, I really don't need you anymore, that's not a good day. The day that we recognize and always continue to honor the gift of grace that is shown to us through our parents, that's a real treasure. That's a real seed. That's something that grows up to be strong. That's what I hope for my kids. Not that they become entirely self-sufficient, but that they first of all are grace-sufficient, knowing God's grace for them. May we know that together today as brothers and sisters in the family that Jesus has made here at Community of Grace. God's grace will be sufficient for them because his grace is sufficient for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of grace that you have shown to us in so many ways Today, Father, in particular, we are grateful for the ways that 
the women in our lives have shown your tenderness and your strength to us. A fierce love that desires to protect us, but also is there to bind up our wounds when we fall. A love that shows us and is expressed to us in weakness because, Jesus, that's how you chose to show and express the glory of your Father is on the weakness of the cross and the humiliation of the cross. What a strange way to reveal God's love for people like us. But Lord, that is how you chose to express it in that place of ultimate weakness and vulnerability. Lord, may we walk in grace with one another, with our families, with our children, in our households, in a way that expresses that same vulnerable love where your grace can meet us in our weakness so that you can be strong. Thank you, Jesus, for this and the many blessings you have placed into our lives. May we receive this grace in abundance today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.